All right, guys, and we're back finally after probably nine months of not putting out an episode, and it's not for lack of trying, but for lack of quality. So I'm on a new microphone. Uh, it came off of Amazon. It was cheap. I have the box somewhere in this mess. So I might actually get around to... Uh, Explaining what my setup is, I've got another little remote mic here that I'm going to take to Canada with me this week because it is Christmas time. And for all of you who know me well, you know that for the last decade I've usually worked through Christmas or traveled or some combination of the two. So that being said, we'll be heading to Canada at some point here. Anyway, all that being said... I am enjoying a knockoff Buffalo Trace bourbon. I can't remember exactly which brand it is. But anyhow, yesterday was the last day of 2021 work at the day job. The 9 to 5 or the 6 to 3, whatever you want to call it. It's over with for now. And thank God. Anyway, so what have I been up to? Well... Uh, we've done archery, we've done bike building, we've done becoming a father, we have done sleepless nights, lack of time management, all of the craziness that comes with adding a member to the family because it is so awesome, and I see an extreme version of my personality in him, and that is also fantastic, so I really cannot complain in the least because I've got a three inch incision in my chest that is a week and then some healing. Why you may ask if you're new to this podcast or which you could be because I have not dropped an episode in way too long. So last year I was diagnosed with lymphoma. I whooped up on it and beat it. Not without a lot of challenge and a lot of just general jackassery, so I guess now this is an explicit podcast. But anyhow, they cut the chemo port out of my chest last week, or the medical term is surgically removed it. And uh, surprisingly, I was awake for the whole thing. They just use a local anesthetic to numb the area. And they pull it out, and then they showed it to me, and I thought, well, it was probably a medical piece of plastic, Nope, titanium. Looked kind of like, um, someone called me Iron Man, which I had not thought of. And they said, how's it feel to not be Iron Man anymore? And I laughed and it actually made the whole thing better. Not that getting it out wasn't the greatest thing yet, aside from other blessings, but it was a major freaking milestone because I'm telling you what, nothing before and I doubt nothing again, will challenge me the way that lymphoma did. So, the big thing is I went home twice. And not that Houston isn't home because we just moved into a new house and all that jazz, but Pennsylvania, my little 100 acres of secluded paradise, that is where I belong. And so the first time we went home, we're still living in the apartment, and 
I'm pretty sure all of those people, although some probably liked me and some probably didn't, everybody's happy to not see my truck and trailer blocking up everything because it took me the better part of like a day to load three bikes. So I have the 125, I have the 250 scratch build, and I have the 450, which if anybody is looking for a 2017 CRF 450 with dual sets of suspension, outdoor and supercross, hit me up on my social media. You can find me on Facebook now again at Ross Kearney. You can find me on Instagram at Ross. And then obviously you can probably message me through any of these platforms that this podcast comes out on because I am done riding that damn thing. It's super fun because it's fast and it has a set of supercross suspension, but honestly, it is just not fun to ride. And as Yosh used to say, I hate the 450. I love my 450, but I also hate my 450 because my arm goes numb because it's so much bike and I've broken my wrist so many times that I can't feel the throttle in my hand and it just flat out gets away from me and starts suck and turns are crap. Riding it in the sand is fine. Riding it back home on high point on the tacky and the hookup, no thank you. So, I am, no, you might have guessed it, I am not getting on an electric bike yet. I don't hate electric bikes like everybody else, but I just don't see any justification for a 33, almost 34-year-old vet rider to dump $12,000 on a battery. I'm just not going to do it. I grew up on two strokes. I can ride a two-stroke pretty well. I have another two-stroke project in the oven. Uh, let's say it's on the prep board because it's not yet in the oven because I don't even have the bike. But that is a separate episode. Hopefully this doesn't sound as stupid as it sounds to me because I keep going into that but, the, those slow words. However, if you are beginning your Christmas vacation, thank you for tuning in. I really kind of like the setup of this new uh, this microphone operation here. I hope to be able to... Once I heal up from this incision deal, get some guests, uh, go ride with some folks that are also new to Houston, and I consider myself new because I've been here a year. These guys that I'm aware of, a couple months, so and they've already, I give them mad props because they moved here, and when I say they, there's just a bunch of them on Facebook in the groups that have like come into the area, moved into the area, and like a week in, when you would probably still be trying to find where the hell you like packed your goggles and stowed your gloves and stuff, these guys were out at the tracks hammering laps, having a good time, doing the moto thing, and so I was just sitting here watching some deer hunting on TV because I've been a little bit pre- I've been a lot preoccupied with just archery and I love competition archery. I love racing dirt bikes, but I love shooting my bow even that much more. So with all that being said, um, let me stop sidetracking because I'll cover all that stuff in a little bit. And let's go back to what I was doing blocking up the parking lot at the apartment in September. So 
I went up to the storage unit and I grabbed my trailer and I pulled it down and I loaded it up and I was so excited, so excited to go home and race the High Point Vet National Big Dave's Vet Homecoming that I tried to lay down and go to sleep on like a Thursday evening, I think. And yeah, it was Thursday evening because I had Friday off. Couldn't sleep. Laid there forever, and finally at 5 a.m., I woke my poor wife up, and I was like, hey, it's time to go. Truck's been loaded for quite a while, and I just want to get on the road. So, traveling with, at the time, I think Dara was six months old? Traveling by vehicle with a six-month-old is a challenge, no matter who you are. And luckily... I can't ever sit still, and so if you've listened to some of my previous episodes, you've heard the one about me building the cargo conversion trailer out of my cargo trailer that was just plywood inside, and I had never, I figured I would, chances are, use the kitchen area for kitchen area things before I use it to change a diaper, but like they said... If you want to hear God laugh, tell them your plans, because they're about to change. And they were, and so I found myself somewhere around Nacogdoches, maybe Texarkana, using the food prep area, the kitchen of my little trailer, to change a diaper, or 50. So we rolled into Nashville a few hours later, at the end of a long-ass day. And we decided, and am I ever glad we did, hindsight being what it is, we decided to stay in Nashville like a day and a day and a night. And all I really wanted to do was get home to the farm and get bikes unloaded and do some power wheelies up and down the runway. But we stuck around Nashville, and you'll enjoy this because if you know me at all, If you listen to enough of these podcasts, you know that I don't do anything the normal way. And so our night there in Nashville, if you've been to Nashville lately, you know that hot chicken is a flaming trend. And so my cousin, who is in parts unknown nowadays, used to live in Nashville, went to Belmont University, got himself a sound engineering degree, and threw it out the window and went and did something way cooler. So if you ever hear this, You better call me because your texting is really, really, really few and far between, my friend. But at the time, say 10 years ago, hot chicken wasn't a thing. And it is now a thing. It is a thing that I love because I love hot wings. So we went to a place that I can't remember the name of, which is terrible. I will put it in the show notes because... It was pretty freaking awesome. The problem was, anybody that's ever been on a road trip that is two sets of 12-hour days knows not to eat a flaming hot ass-burning chicken sandwich the night before you depart at 5 a.m. So, needless to say, the next morning, once we got rolling, I made it to about Horse Cave, Kentucky, and I had to pull over at the Loves and sprint my flaming rear end inside. So... Greatest hot chicken sandwich ever, worst morning ever, but it's all part of 
when you're post-cancer and you're not turning anything down and you're not putting anything off and you're trying to live life to the fullest because doctors told you, hey, dude, in a year you might not be here. Well, there's some really strange thought processes due to being told that and somebody telling you, like, there's something in your chest that is spreading and we don't know what it is and we don't know if we can stop it out here, so you better get somewhere that can. Obviously, since I'm still here and you're listening to this, we stopped it, I survived it, and now I am kicking life in the butt and also kind of dragging at times because my son does not sleep through the night. So, uh, we just, I just do what I do and... Driving back to Pennsylvania to race one weekend with my best buddies ever. And along the way, eating what I wanted in one of my favorite cities ever. So the moral of the story is, if you're in Texas, have barbecue. If you're in Nashville, have a hot chicken sandwich. And if, um, yeah, if life gets challenging, meet it head on and keep on going. So we finally made it to Pennsylvania on Sunday night, and of course when we got into Ohio, West Virginia more realistically, they had Interstate 70 so jacked up that I ended up on a road that you do not pull a trailer down, something that my Tacoma barely made it down 15 years ago, but that was the alternative to making a 24-hour road trip into a 30-hour road trip, at which point I might as well have freaking driven to Canada, but... Uh, We made it. We pulled up, rolled into mom and dad's driveway on Sunday evening, basically just stopped and unloaded stuff and said, here, grandma, here's your grandchild. And they had an awesome dinner ready. And so we just basically had a week before the High Point Bet National to just chill and relax and not really hit it too terribly hard, but I had a top end to replace, I had oil to change, I had spokes to tighten, change to adjust, and I set about to that task as quickly as I could while also working remotely because at the time, let's see, let me flip back here through the bullshit notes, oh yeah, Delta variant, what are we on now, like Omicron or some shit, but At the time, we were still working remotely, thank God, thanks to the Delta at the time. So, today is Friday, December 17th, and the story I'm telling you took place back on September 17th, 18th and 19th. I think that was the dates. Somewhere around there was when we finally, after arriving back in Pennsylvania with a few days to spare, doing bike maintenance, and I did, I swapped a top end of my 125, which could have also used a clutch at the time, because we'll get to that later. I raced all three bikes, and what was really cool is when you almost kick it, people change their perspective on things, and so I had all of my best buds, My parents, my dad pulled his camper down to High Point. All the things I wanted to do when I was 16 years old, I got to do at 33. So, I don't know. Would it have been, would it have meant the same to me when I was 16? Probably. 
but it meant that much more to me for the simple fact that I might not have gotten to see 33 after what happened during 31. So on Friday evening, we just kind of kicked around once Yost finally decided to show his face and meet, like pull his giant rig in, provide shade for the rest of us peons. <laughs> Probably love that. Anyhow, so once we were all set up, and it was Friday night at High Point, not the Pro National, but it was the same deal. You do a walkabout, have some drinks, see some old friends, make some new friends, and find out who you're going to pretend to bang bars with the next day. And the for those of you that don't know the High Point Vet National, in September in the fall, when you go to the national that is for the old guys... There is a GP race, which is a hybrid motocross, GNCC, A-Works, whatever you want to call it. It's off-road hell, and thankfully it didn't rain, so it was actually kind of fun. It was actually my favorite event of the year now. And I'm not just saying that because that's what Yost always says. I'm saying that because I drove 1,200 miles each way to attend this because it is the best event you can do that I found so far and participated in. Do we have some other ones coming up that I'm super excited about that I haven't yet told my wife about? Hell yes, we do. So we'll cover those later. So Saturday morning started like every other race Saturday morning that I've ever had. Up a little bit too late because I was awake a little bit too late. Scrambling into my gear, trying to put on my knee braces, can't find my leg sleeves, haven't prepped my goggles, uh, fuel the bike, really hope the pre-mix is properly mixed. Actually, I'm a vet rider. My VP is mixed perfectly with my Castor 927 32 to 1 because I like it crisp. And I rode the YC250 scratch build, my friends. Yes, the scratch build, the bike I built from parts and have ridden twice at this point, twice even still besides the story I'm telling you now. So if you jump on my YouTube, you will be able to see a few select pieces of footage that I thought were the best of the GP day. So the GP day, which stands for Grand Prix or Grand Prix, depending on where you're from, I'm from Pittsburgh, I call it Grand Prix, just like I call a creek a crick, and it was a blast. I was actually in shape for a 30-minute through the woods and on the High Point motocross track uh, dead sprint trying to catch my friends and prove something that we've been trying to prove to each other day in and day out since we were 15 years old. What I proved was that I'm still slower than Yost because, one, I hadn't done a dead engine start in a long time, and I forgot that when they drop the flag, it's not like a motocross race where everybody makes a mad dash. You go off by lines. So somewhere buried in the YouTube footage, you will see that somehow I dump the clutch, and Yost grabs my arm and manages to hold me back. So I don't make an absolute fool of myself. So I just made a partial fool. So the start is actually better than a motocross start because your chances of dying are significantly slimmer, especially as a vet rider. So 
when you do a AWERX or GNCC start, you're all in lines based on classes. And so you have to pay attention to which class you're in and who's going offline when. Still, when your class goes offline, it's a mad dash for a really tiny corner. If you're unfamiliar with motocross, it's probably the best part of the race. Aside from finishing as a vet rider and getting to a case of water, it's pretty darn awesome. So, the track was fantastic because you did the start, which I still wish High Point Start was the same as it had always been. It's a little different. It's not exactly the same, but I remember seeing, I think it was Ben Ritter one time, rail the outside of that thing on his RMZ 450 like fourth gear pinned probably third gear pinned but hauling the mail and I've always remembered that and thought well I'm definitely not going to ever be riding a Suzuki I'm sorry to those of you that are still carrying that torch uh, I'd rather be on, on an electric bike than on a Suzuki but I digress so on my YZ250, I decided to give that a shot and go to the far outside and rail that bitch, And it worked out about as well as you could expect for a vet rider. So the cool thing was, you go around the first turn and you dogleg down the hill and then you cut back up and you go over the tunnel jump and into the stair steps. And I had this delusion that I was going to double into them like I did 15 years ago on a 125 and it never did happen. Could I have done it? Probably. Would I have crashed? Most definitely. So down the stair steps we go into the right-hander, which is over a fairly decent-sized double that I basically boner-aired over every time. Even though I'm not that bad of a rider, I don't know why there's something about that jump. It just front-end was high every single time. And made for some good pictures, some embarrassing photos. But... After that, you drop down into the bottom, and to our disappointment, they cut off the quad. I wanted to jump that thing because as big as it looks, it's not that hard. I've done it before. also bit my tongue off of it once because my spark plug came loose, and I would like to think that a good friend of mine would eventually listen to this podcast, and he probably will, and get a darn good chuckle out of it. So, Jerry, Golden Spark Plug Award. Still waiting on it. Anyways, so we didn't get to do the big quad, but we went down to the bottom and did the right-hander and then up the hill, made a left. And also, if this is confusing the hell out of you, go check out my latest Instagram post with the drone flight, and you can kind of follow along as I describe the track. The track had a lot of really cool big doubles in it that... On the 125, I would just hit pinned in like second or third gear. And on the 252 stroke, I could kind of lug it in second or third gear and not hit it as hard as humanly possible. And then the 450, we're just not even going to get into that right now. Because I only rode the 252 stroke in the GP day. Why, you ask? Uh, It had pretty much all the things on it that I needed to ride in the woods. It had the big, deep foot pegs. It had the proper size fuel tank, my IWC modified and uh, rebraced radiators, and my Wasner match to my Tom Morgan Racing piston and port and polished head and cylinder. So I had all the power that I needed 
to deal with whatever high point was going to throw my way out in the woods. So after you went over the two big jumps, the big doubles, and headed out into uh, the far side of the track where Josh Grant hit the truck years ago, yeah, if you're a vet rider, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you're a YouTuber, chances are you've probably seen the video I'm talking about. Uh, Grant endowed into the side of, I think it was an F-150, a green one, if I recall, years ago, like 07 or 08. It's pretty epic, and that was where, that exact spot is where you would venture out into the woods and into the Grand Prix portion of the track, um, the off-road portion, if you will. And so the off-road portion didn't look that gnarly to begin with. But it's been a number of years since I have raced a GNCC or an A-Works, and I had forgotten a little bit that, of course, at the beginning of the day, it's not that bad. By the end of the day, it is horrible. The holes are big enough to swallow your entire bike. Where there wasn't water at the beginning of the day, there is now water, and a lot of it, and the holes are getting deeper, and the mud is getting thicker, and you're getting more tired because you're not 20 years old anymore. You're like 33. And yeah, that's basically what we did. We raced our asses off all day long through the woods, gullies, ravines, over rocks, over trees. Uh, I crashed once, and maybe that's how I screwed my elbow up, but all of a sudden the bike was there, and all of a sudden the bike was no longer there, and it was chasing me down the hill. Um, luckily, it was in fairly decent shape, so that one and only get off, yeah. In an hour of riding in the woods, I had one get-off that wasn't terrible, but it did not. I could have gone without it. But if you are inspired now by the High Point podcast here, you might want to consider this little piece of advice. Put on brand new sharp tires and put on more than three tear-offs. The tear-offs are for the dust if it rains there for the mud and the sharp tires are because the track that you are riding at eight o'clock in the morning is covered in grass. The track that you'll be riding later in the afternoon after everyone has slid all over the place on it and into each other and off the track and into the weeds and into the woods eventually becomes dirt right about the time you're done for the day and headed for the truck to have a beer. So, at the, a lot of it was just me riding through the woods, and I'm not going to bore you with that. You can go watch my helmet camp footage if you want to watch my first-person perspective of riding through the woods. But a funny thing was two nights later, well, a night later, when we're all hanging out shooting the shit with everybody that we raced, somebody goes, my God, during the GP, there was some rider on a YZ with six, seven, eight that would not get out of my way. And I was like, that was me. And I did get out of your way. And then I passed you back. And then I wouldn't get out of your way again because you weren't as fast as I was in some places as I wasn't as fast as you were in some places. So don't cry to me over not being able to get around me when I got around you twice and ultimately finished better than you did because you got tired. The fun part of that was 
that was probably one of the faster laps and one of the more fun battles that I had with this particular person. And the fact that he was upset about it was just for the simple fact that he was 10 years younger than me and didn't quite understand that none of this shit matters. We're all out there to simply have fun and hang out with our buddies and ride dirt bikes. And at the end of the day, we all go back to our 9-to-5 jobs or our own businesses or our incredibly complex existences like living 1,200 miles from home and juggling a corporate career and post-cancer, and I'll just ramble on and on forever. But the most fun that we had was the following day when we did the uh, the actual motocross event there at High Point, which I didn't finish super well. I raced all three bikes. I raced the 450, the 250 two-stroke, and the 125. And about a third of the way through the day, I started thinking that I may not finish all the motos. Same thought that I had pre-cancer when I was younger at Supercross Futures when I was like, you know, I think I'll just call it a day. And the funny thing was, the person that encouraged me to not throw in the towel and be lazy, not that I ever would to begin with. We all would like to think that we have it in us to quit, but I think most of us will find that we do not have it in us to quit. Especially when you're driving about 3,000 miles round trip to be somewhere. I finished all six motos. Did I saw the front end off of somebody's bike because they got in my way and there was nothing I could do to stop? Yes. Which is why the 450 is up for sale. Because I wasn't out of control on it, but the class I was in was not smart enough to stay out of my way. And... I would say I was probably 40% at fault because I didn't need to do the step up on the far side, but 60% of the fault lies with the guy that pulled out in front of me from a dead stop on the right side of the, basically off the track. Um, Sorry, dude, if you're listening to this, I don't know what the chances are, but sorry. Anyway. So that was the one and only mishap of the day, was the KTM rider that came out of nowhere when I came up over the step-up, fourth gear wound on the 450 because I couldn't feel my hand, and I just happened to catch his front tire with my rear wheel and my right foot peg, and the Honda prevailed, and there was just pink coolant everywhere, which I knew was not mine because my Honda runs green HP coolant, So I pretty much knew, like, I just got to get this guy's bike off my bike so I can get up and finish my race that doesn't mean anything more than having fun. As he was screaming at me about what the F and this, that, and the other. Um, It is what it is. It's a vet race. It's just for fun. Sometimes getting run into is part of the fun. As much as you might not want to admit it is, that's the simple fact of the matter. And some of us... Yes, actually, this was your fault for telling me you signed up for C-Class. And I hadn't raced in over a year, so technically C-Class was fine. Moving on from that, I actually put the 450 in the truck, and I have not ridden it since. 
I rode my 250 since I run the same number on all three of my bikes. I just rode my 252 stroke the rest of the day. And then I rode the 125 in the revolution class or whatever. And I have to admit the YZ 252 stroke 99 through 2021 is relatively the same bike. Yes. The bike got some updates as far as the frame goes. They went from a steel frame to an aluminum frame. Some people would argue that the steel frame flexes and the aluminum frame doesn't. I will argue that they feel exactly the same, but the steel frame is heavier. So if you're looking and trying to figure out if you're going to do that steel frame build, do the steel frame build. It's fun and it's just a little bit heavier, but it's really no different than having the aluminum frame. So don't sweat it. Just build something cool and share it with me because... In the end, I just want everybody out there living their best moto life and having fun. And it's the Moto Ross experience, but it's not just my experience. It's yours and your best buddies and anybody that rides. Like That's what I came to find out sitting in the hospital for 44 plus days of 2020. Not that the year was that great to begin with, but there's a lot of things I could have done pandemic aside had I not been fighting cancer. So... If you're on the fence about doing something, don't put it off because you never know when it just might end. So, the High Point Vet National, in summary, the GP is the most fun you'll have on a dirt bike. Would I recommend riding a 450? Hell no. Would I recommend riding a 350? I don't know. I've never ridden one. A lot of people say the 350 is the all-around best bike for everything, so it probably applies here too. Jump on a 350, take it out in the woods, see if it works for you. Personally, I'll probably always ride a YZ250 in the woods from here on out. If I'd have had it to do all over again, I actually would have went with a 125 for the simple fact that I can just throw that thing around like a rag doll and wring its neck, and people seem to like it. I like riding it. I actually, if I never owned anything but a 125, I'd probably be perfectly happy. Um, I've contradicted that several times because I have a 450 and I built a 250 and I've had a bunch of other 125s. But when I really boil it down and throw everything in a common pot and crank up the heat, 125s are where my passion lies. Two strokes, you could probably throw a very broad net over everything. Yeah, I love two-strokes. Two-strokes are fun. Two-strokes are awesome. And I got a new idea. Since Yamaha gave some bold new body styles, maybe I'll take my hybrid Frankenstein scratch build that is exactly the same chassis and engine and make it look like a 2022. On a side note, aside from listening to my voice ramble on and on and on, I eventually... I'm going to transition a lot of this stuff into a new podcast called The Garage Pod, live to you from my garage, and basically you'll be able to tune in live via webcam, YouTube live, and watch me talk into the microphone here. And I guess maybe I'll have bikes in the backdrop and bows and all the other stuff. Maybe eventually the four deer heads that I have at the taxidermist that I need to go pick up. Anyway, more to come on that. 
Um, as far as High Point is concerned, what a great weekend. We drank some beers. We we had an unofficial day in the dirt, I guess you could say, northeast. Or days in the dirt, weekend in the dirt. And it was just a blast. The GP was so much fun. You just like raced with your buddies, went out there, banged bars with random people, thought you were faster than the next guy, crashed in the woods, rolled down the hill, couldn't wait to see a bottle of water, and got to jump all the same cool stuff on High Point that we've always jumped since we were like potentially up-and-coming amateurs. I don't know that I was really ever up-and-coming. I was up-and-crashing a lot, but I had a blast, especially those moments where inside my helmet cruising around at a reasonable clip and thinking this might not have happened. So that being said, head on over to my YouTube. I hate to cut this short, but my son is screaming as usual. Go on over to my YouTube and check out everything titled High Point Vet National Big Dave's Homecoming and let me know what you think. Drop some comments. Uh, I will not pay attention to the negative ones because I'm not into that kind of thing anymore, nor was I ever. But if you got something good to say or if you have a question that you want answered, throw it in there. I will see it. And as long as it's nothing snarky or negative, I will answer you. Until next time, friends, keep tuning into the Moto Ross podcast. We're back, and uh, there's going to be some consistency. Also, Keep an eye out for the Garage Pod episode one. It's on the way.